Hi, you are listening to Mobile Couch, and this is episode 84. So, Ben, Dub Dub DC, WWDC, I, I'm going to call it Dub Dub for the rest of the episode, but just for people who are confused, Dub Dub refers to WWDC. WWDC stands for Worldwide Developers Conference, which is the big iOS conference, well, Apple conference that happens in San Francisco every year. Yeah, it's an exciting time of year, Jelly. Yeah, because promise of new things and maybe things getting fixed and other awesome things parties <laughs> parties you know parties are great lots of drinking on other people's dimes <laughs> anyway dub dub is in a few weeks at this point a couple of weeks probably by the time this episode comes out and uh you and i are both going to be in town for it yeah it's gonna be good and you got a ticket i did get a ticket I hate you so much. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't have one last year though. So you, yeah, because you went without. You went without, and you just kind of attended uh, yeah. all the comp and stuff like that. So yeah. I'm going to be in town, and I'm not attending Dub Dub because I didn't get a ticket, obviously. Uh, but I will be attending Layers, which is not alt like it's the alt alt conf. I guess it's more yeah. of a design kind of, but not track. just for designers. Yeah. I think that's key. Yeah, it's not. So you just don't have for to be a designer to go. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's it like they've got a pretty good lineup. Um, got a really good lineup. Yeah, so it's going to be good. And so we'll be in San Francisco and uh, kind of keeping track of everything that's going on with uh, with Apple and what's being released. But I thought today we could go, we could have a look at kind of what we're kind of hoping for, maybe some expectations, what we think might happen, uh, what we think might come out of Dub Dub, because I mean that's going to kind of like it always ends up defining kind of the next year of development tasks that you do because you want to try and uh, go for those new features and stuff like that. So it might be nice to uh, have a look and see what we think might happen and then mm. kind of what we hope for this yeah, year. Yeah, I think there's a difference between what we think might happen and what we hope for as well. Yeah, I, I definitely think so. But you, you've got a list and I've got a list and I think your list is longer than my list. So why don't you get started? Okay, cool. The first two on my list are pretty similar okay. and they kind of come down to just Xcode yep. and improving the reliability around Xcode. Okay. So I feel like build times are still really slow if you're using Swift anyway. Like it's gotten better, Yep. but if you accidentally like write some valid Swift code that just happens to be a little tricky, yeah. you can suddenly boost your build time from like one minute to 10 minutes with one line, which, is, which is nuts. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, and you know, there's all these hacks to work out which line is causing the problem but you just shouldn't have to do that yeah you should just be able to write code the way that you Mm. want to write the code yeah so you also should be able to write code without it beach balling after every third character i had the other day i was writing some swift code and it was just uh i think it was just source kit was just crashing oh yeah every 30 seconds just crashing so my screen it doesn't show an alert anymore it has the bar across the top yeah they ditched the alert it's too annoying it has the bar across the top and the text goes all black. Mm. And that was happening every 30 seconds for me the other day. Yeah. So normally when that happens, you can actually find the bit that's breaking it. Yeah. So it's kind of hard. But sometimes if you notice it's just started happening, yeah. it normally means something you have written is causing it to crash. And so you might be able to put it on a new line or put an extra line in. <laughs> and suddenly it'll stop crashing. Yeah, okay. And sometimes it'll only crash while the code isn't complete. Like So like... There's a syntax error, but there's a syntax error because you're still typing it. And so when you complete yeah, okay. the bit... It'll fit, it'll sort itself out. Like I noticed yep. making an enum say, 
it tends to go nuts at you while you're typing it out. And then when you close it off again, it's like, oh, yeah, sweet. That's totally cool. So you're hoping for just general stability? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, again, same as last year where we're all like, forget giving us new stuff. Just give us stuff that works. Yep. I'm feeling like I'm still at that point. Yeah. I, I feel like especially with Swift, especially with Swift, mm. Swift's not reliability, but like uh, the offering that Xcode provides for Swift um, is still severely limited in when you uh, when you compare it to Objective-C. You still can't mm. uh, refactor. You can kind of, there is a few tricks that you can use now, like you can use edit all in scope to get yep. around stuff like that. But that doesn't really help if it's on, you know, more than one, you know, document. Uh, you, a you a know. debugger would be nice. Yeah, well. <laughs> I mean, it's there, but it never works. Yeah. I, I, I do find that occasionally it just will, like, I'll boot up and it just won't do anything. Yeah. yeah. And the uh, folding, which I use all the time, and we've talked about this before, mm. I, I, I like to use, I like to fold up all my methods so I can just, like, see them. Yeah. Swift, I feel like, isn't as good as Objective-C in this, uh, that instance, because, because Objective-C has a header file, yeah. which, you know, in some cases is not amazing. You have to write everything twice, et cetera, et cetera. But because of that, it has all the documentation on that page. And so you just have your methods, which is nice. But Swift also has other things that just don't fold. Yeah. Like properties, like uh, dynamic properties. Or like properties with did sets and stuff. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, properties that are programmatic uh, yeah. that you, you know, that you provide an, like a get or a set and stuff like yeah. that. They don't fold and enums don't fold and you can't fold everything up like you can with like classes and methods, which mm. is something that I'm kind of hoping for with X. I mean, it just, it would be nice if they just kind of sorted all that sort of stuff out so that it was just, you know, you, you know, actually use it. You could actually use Xcode instead of like, you know, adding, I don't know. Oh, we have a new 3D animation tool. Yeah, that was so annoying. <laughs> like, I'm still annoyed about that. While we're on the topic of Xcode, the other thing, which is my second point, but it's yeah. all the same. Yeah. Um, so our like build process is just awesome these days, right? Awesome. Nice. After the, you know, the fast lane episode. Fast lane, yep. We've like got all these fast lanes. Right. Always forget what they're called, set up. And they work really well, right? Except maybe one out of three times we get the could not generate schemes after ten seconds timeout. Oh. I never get that. <laughs> Who knows why? I get I get a thing where with Fastlane where it will it will go through the build process and it'll get right to the end of the thing where it's like creating the IPA and yeah. it'll be like archive failed. <laughs> No error. No. Well, just it'll just crack. Like it'll just fight. That's like, weird. I haven't fall, seen that one. Over. And then if I run it again, it'll work. Yeah. So this is the same with the schemes one. And like, so we we got all this cool setup in our office where everyone's got a light above their desk. Yeah. And it flashes red when the build fails above over that the person. person. Yeah. yeah. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> it's we made it as a joke. Yeah. Turns out it's kind of useful, <laughs> like because it also changes color just slightly when a build's running. Yeah. And because we only have one build server at the moment, you can kind of see, oh, there's already one running. That's why mine hasn't started. Nice. I like it. But anyway, more than 80% of those flashing red lights are this schemes did not generate in 10 seconds. And so you just got to click rebuild. It's so annoying. I just want that fixed. Yeah, I, and I don't think it's a fast lane problem either. No, it's, I, an, it's Xcode. an Xcode. It's an Xcode build, of, you know, the, yeah. the command line thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's that problem. And it really feels like it, I think that kind of is tied together because it's just a general uh, you know, lack of just stability across yeah. like across Xcode. Across really. the tooling. Yeah, and that'd be nice. One of the features that I think that we probably that they'll probably address, and it's definitely been a rumor recently, not so much like super recently, but over the past few months, there's been like this suggestion that there'll be Xcode for iPad. 
It's the dumbest suggestion I've ever heard. I know. I don't really I really don't want this to happen. So this is one of those situations where what I expect to get and what I hope to get are completely diverse from each other. I don't necessarily know that we'll get Xcode like Xcode the way that you think of Xcode, right? Yeah. If they provide Xcode for iPad, what they'll probably do is provide a portion of it. Yeah, it'll be playgrounds. Yeah. Playgrounds for iPad. I can see that happening. <sighs> yeah. I just don't get the people that want Xcode for iPad. I I can't I can't imagine it. Like I mean build times on on like regular computers, like regular MacBooks and Macs are just I mean it's bad enough as it is. Like you and then you try and try and do builds on I I I can't even fathom how people do try like build stuff on um on the MacBooks, like the 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 new MacBook MacBooks. Yeah. Uh, because th- those things are oh, just... Oh, trust me, they hate it. They're so... Jake slow. and Philip both have one and they just, like, throw it against the wall half and, the time. And then you want to, like, you want to add, like, the, you know, this this idea that Xcode has to be able to build on an ARM chip? Like, that's ridiculous. Like, that, that it'll, you, you'll start a build and, like, three days later you'll be able to use it. And that's if you haven't, like, that's if you keep your iPad plugged in while so that mm. it stays charged because it's going to run at, like, full capacity. Yeah, and that's if the charger can ages. keep up with the, the drain on the battery. Yeah. Exactly. I'm a big hater of this whole, everyone's like, tablets are the way, man. We, we're ditching the computers. We're so not. The only way I'm that not. that would even work is if you only if you only used, so you always just kind of outsource it to like a build server or something, which means that in order to use Xcode on iPad, you would have to have a build server for it to be at, <laughs> usefully at all, like at all useful, um, which means that you still have to have some sort of computer if you're an ind- independent developer or if you yeah. just want to do things, you know, uh, on the side. I mean, you could already do that. Just like VNC into your server if you're that desperate to write code on your iPad. <laughs> yep, yep. That would totally work. That would totally work. So I think we both can kind of uh, agree that Xcode probably needs some uh, some kind of help. Yes, and Apple, don't waste your time making Xcode for oh, iPad. God. Just, just make, make the Xcode current one for work. Mac work. <laughs> yeah, like it, it's only going to be worse if they create Xcode for iPad because then we'll have two versions of Xcode that just don't work. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. So my next point kind of leads on from my talking about our build chain. Yep. I would love an official API for iTunes Connect. Yeah. That so would be nice. the current one, I mean, there is an API there, right? Because yeah. the the web app is built, but it's kind of private on an yeah. API. But yeah. yeah, the only way it works is that people have sort of worked it out, Back, you know, reverse engineered the API. For. So yep. an official API would be great because I mean the tools actually do work at the moment, but they're fragile. Yeah, and the Fastlane team fix them up real quick when things break. But still. Like, they shouldn't have to do that. They shouldn't. It would be really nice. Like, a lot of the time, like, my issues using Fastlane, and I'm completely in on Fastlane. Like the, mm. we, we only had that episode maybe, what, a couple, a month or two ago now, and I've now done, like, everything on, in, in GIFRAPT, for instance, is all is all done using Fastlane now, which is really nice. But a lot of the problems that come out of that are not to do with Fastlane. They're to do with either Xcode, or the API in iTunes Connect has changed just slightly, and so it fails to upload. Yeah, and then like I had also recently had this issue where Fastlane couldn't detect the the processing, like the end of the processing of a build because the API had changed, and oh. it took a while for the uh, for them to kind of get on that, I guess, or something. Maybe it was like the uh, this crazy AB thing going on. I don't know. Yeah. So like you look at Google. They got an API for everything. So the Play yeah. Store has an API. Yeah. You can do everything that Fastlane has managed to hack together just officially. Yep. You know, upload a build, submit it for review. Well, you don't need to go through review, but you know what I mean. 
Upload still screenshots, kind of upload, upload metadata. Yeah. yeah, I would just like to see that. Better. It'd be nice, and there definitely is one there. But and obviously, Fastlane kind of accesses it, and obviously, and there are there are actually other apps that work on it too. Mm. But because it's private, it can change any time, and I don't necessarily feel like that's a good thing. I mean, iTunes Connect gets too many just kind of spur of the moment changes. It doesn't feel it doesn't feel solid. Yeah, and I think that's a problem. Yeah. In relation to that, I think we can expect iTunes Connect changes um, or at least some sort of changes on that front. Um, We've had them. So they've basically done these kind of, you know, complete new, you know, updates. They've essentially changed it, like re completely, you know, reconfigured like the interface every year so far that they've since they, you know, made it new. I can barely Mm. even remember what iTunes Connect used to look like. Can you? I can. Kind of, I guess you. Could I go think it's into because like, I used to do like heaps of iTunes connecting, and these days I very rarely do it. So yeah, I mean, I live in it when I have to like post yeah. bills and stuff because it's basically just like I'm always in there, po- like posting, like sending a build out. But yeah, I feel like we we will see some of that stuff this year. I don't necessarily know what. One of the things that I hope that we see this year, um, which is kind of related, is updates to radar. <laughs> I def like I, I feel like there's probably a fifty fifty chance that this is gonna happen. It's like it it's now my so now that we've got apps on the uh Apple TV, mm-hmm. uh this is my new thing that I want. Okay. I want update to radar. Like I want radar to be improved, but every year it's gonna be like this is the year. And uh, every year it's probably not going to be. I've still got my this is the year point coming up. I'll okay, save it though. Nice. <laughs> so uh we've obviously seen obviously we saw you know changes to iTunes Connect as a general like as an mm-hmm. overhaul uh of Doesn't a couple look of years like ago. iOS six anymore. Yep. Uh and we've recently started to see things like uh the developer center and the uh the developer forums get those updates as well. Mm-hmm. Um there's still a few parts that you know they're slowly coming in. I feel like radar is still sadly lagging behind and it's not a good thing um radar is obviously the one place that you can go to to try and get things fixed that are problems within the infrastructure like within ios itself and there's so much there that could be done in order to make that stuff better and we've had a conversation about this before i don't remember the episode off the top of my head but i will link to it in the show Mm. notes because we talked about this across a couple of episodes i think where we were comparing like Radar and Google's bug yeah. tracker, which is just called the Google bug tracker, uh, and they're so completely different, and yet, and they're so completely one works and one doesn't, and you know, it's radar that's the problem here. Yeah, this um, is timely. So just this week, one of my Google bugs was fixed. Like it was awesome. So ages ago, they marked it for this will be in say six point one point one or something. Yep, and then just this week. I got a little message that popped up and said, this is fixed. Here's the sample code. This will roll out with blah. Nice. It's like, wow. Cool. <laughs> cool. Yeah. I, I've i had conversations about this with other people. And my understanding is that Radar is kind of tied in with their internal kind yeah. of commit system, which makes things a little bit difficult. Because, I mean, you don't necessarily want your commits to be public, even if your bug tracking is. Yeah. But I feel like that I mean, can be solved. I feel like they're smart enough to be able to do that and it's definitely something that needs to be done we need to be able to see more into what's going on even if it's just like 
I'd like to be able to like be able to put things in and to not feel like I've just like set it on fire and tossed it into a giant you know, hole in the ground because that's how it feels. Mm. So my hope this year is that, that that's going to like that we'll see something, anything in that area. I but, reckon we're going to as well. Yeah, I have a good feeling about it. So I think the good thing about radar is at least it's used internally. They yeah. might not use the same interface we log in and use. But the system itself is what Apple uses themselves. Yeah. So by that reasoning, surely there's people working on it, right? Surely. Or at least it's in someone's responsibility, and therefore there's a chance it might change. Mm. That's my reasoning. The thing is, is that the way that it probably will change is that it'll get updated so that it looks like the rest of yeah. iTunes Connect and everything. But it'll still uh, be the same iOS underlying probably same the same underlying problem. Um, or you know, like the developer forums, it'll be all updated, but it'll be kind of worse. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I'd like to see something in that in that area, but I I I don't know whether or not we will actually see. That. I mean, Apple have been improving like developery things recently. Like it seems like we're no longer forgotten about, yeah, or just this annoying voice in their ear just shouting at them always. Mm. So you know, we've got one day review times now. That is nice. Yeah. I do like that. I do, I wonder what's changed in that space. Well, so we were talking about this in the office. Really, all they had to do, right? Because the the review time is pretty consistently five or six days, right? Except yep. for before a big release or something when it spikes. Yeah, when it just totally when it fair goes enough. out. Yep. So all they really have to do is staff up to break through that, you know, that backlog, right? And I then they'll get down to one, the and then they can just continue doing what they do. In order to be able to maintain that, they're mm. going to need to automate some things. Why? They well, maintain five to six. Yeah, I'd... unless there are things that take time in the review. So sometimes your app will go into review and it will stay there for a length of time, right? Yep. So those ones you can't really fix. But all the others where they pop into review and then pop out ready for release, those can totally, like there's nothing changed there except where you just had to staff up to get rid of the backlog to get the queue down. So do you, do, in, in that instance then, when iOS like, 10 comes out, we're going to see it go back up and they're going to end up being five I'm or six hoping, days again. I'm hoping it will spike and come back to where it was. Like I think this has been a conscious decision to... They've seen we're pretty consistent at five to six. If we can just get through this backlog and make that a mandate that if it gets more than, say, two, we staff up or we move people or we change a priority or something to get it back down to one to two. Yeah, okay. And then there it can just live. So, And I really think they made that decision. Like They've decided one to two is, is what people need. It's definitely, some, it's definitely a good thing. I will say one thing that is annoying, though, beta app review is now really annoying because it takes about the same amount of time takes about the same amount of time if not more yeah i think the other day we actually had an app go through review faster than beta app review and you'd think they would it would just count for both but i don't think it It does it doesn't count for both um the other thing is when you an app has gone through review so a strategy we used to use was we submit an app for review yep like a week out from release yep and then we continue to so it's like a good enough build yep so at least if everything goes wrong we've got something to release and while it's in review, we work on smashing out some other minor bugs and we submit another app for review once the other one's approved. So right. you might release the first one, you might not. Yep. It's just a backup. And we have been using TestFlight for those builds in between. But as soon as an app has gone through proper review, you have to change the version number of every app that goes up after it, which means your new app has to be like, your first one was 1.0, yep. that backup. 
All the builds that now go up to test flight have to be one point whatever, something higher, which means they have to go through beta app review again. Unless you, yeah, so unless you um, develop or reject the build. Yes. And then you can re-upload it. But that wouldn't work because we're having to change our strategy. Although you kind of don't need a strategy anymore because you can just upload a build and it will probably be approved in the morning. So this happened to me recently, right? Like I recently put GIF wrapped out, like an update to GIF wrapped out. And I've had, I think I had over the course of my release process, I had three candidates for release, mm-hmm. um, which all got submitted to app review. App, app review. So the first one, I think I ca- I cancelled before it even went into review because it was I, I, I came across a bug um, that I needed to fix within a few hours. And the second one actually did go through review and got approved and was sitting there waiting for me to release it. Um, I was delaying the release because I was writing some wordage and then on the second day uh, like after it got uh, after it got reviewed I was doing screenshots the second day and I was setting up my I was setting up my script to do this like Mm -hmm. to run the screenshots the UI test stuff and uh, I came across a bug which meant that if you tried to copy uh, an image out of the app it would actually copy the file url okay um, and I couldn't, I obviously couldn't ship that. So I canceled the, like a developer, uh, rejected the, the build and, um, fixed that and put a new build into review that night. And by the time I was ready to release it the next day, it would, it was passed, like it yeah. had gone through review. Isn't like good? It, it had started awesome. going through review when I woke up that next morning and was done in a couple of hours. It's, it's yeah. just great. So much better. Like so, such a better situation. Like if I had a... Had I come across that issue before, I would have had to submit it, wait for a week, and then release. So it would have been like a two, essentially like a two-week process because I would have had to wait for the first build to go through and the second build to go through. Uh, but that got shortened down by a factor of like seven, which is amazing. I also think they've dropped their standards in order to get through the backlog. Whether they pick them back up again, I'm not sure. But we had an app go through a review that we realized didn't handle no internet so well. Yep. It didn't crash or anything, but that used to be an instant fail. It was one of the first things they checked is they try and open the app without internet. Um, and ours was approved. And so we've since fixed it, but it was just like, hmm, that would have gotten rejected normally. Yeah, that's interesting. Because that's the sort of stuff that they could they could automate, I, I feel like. I, I almost feel like one of the things that they could just do is have essentially monkey testing. Mm. And that would pick up like heaps of crashes, I, I feel like. Um, and if you have it set so that it does like a bit of this, a bit of it on, you know, on a network and off a network and maybe, you know, in intermittent network or something like, yeah. you know, changing the, the situations that it runs in, like you don't need somebody to actually run that. That could just run. Yeah. But whether or not will that sort of stuff gets implemented, I, I don't know. I, I feel like probably not. Yeah. I hope if they do end up doing something like that, we can get a report out of it. That would be nice. Like instead of just like your app failed at monkey testing, it's like... <laughs> What? No. How do I fix that? It'll be like the processing <laughs> issue I had a few weeks ago where I was just having proce- like the processing when you upload to iTunes Connect, it goes through processing and my processing would sit there for about 10 minutes and that would fail and I had no no yeah. idea why. No idea cuz the error that you get is like it failed to process. Mm. Thanks iTunes Connect. That's yeah. very helpful. It turned out to be that the uh the installation directory for my for for some of my um, frameworks uh, frameworks yeah. was was wrong, 
but that had changed. Like they, they had not changed. Processing had changed between when I had submitted the last build and that the next build that failed, the first build that failed. So and, and there's there's no visibility into that stuff. There's no visibility. It's ah oh, yeah. And this is the same problem with radar. Like I. And that whole process I went through, I filed a radar. I tried to use one of my paid developer things. Yep. Uh, I you know, contacted like the support you know, people and ended up sitting up at you know, t- 2 o'clock in the morning so I could ring uh, uh, the developer support line. All of which like, you know, ended with like, a, a single like, you know, statement from somebody. I think, on the, I, I think somehow on the radar because I had pointed everybody like, I'm going to file this radar. Like, just go and look yeah. at the radar. And yeah, I got one line to say they're wrong. Not like, why are they wrong? Just they're wrong. Fix them. Mm. Okay. Cool. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I think we can both agree. Yeah. iTunes Connect or just the general build chain flow. Just kind of visibility in that stuff. Just improve nice. it. Like, yeah, as, as an overall thing. And we acknowledge they are actively trying. They we're are definitely trying. Just, They're tr- yeah, definitely like ignoring. we're seeing progress in that, but it's really slow. And I feel like they could do more to solve that than, yeah. Yeah, than they're currently doing. My next one is I want way more stuff to do with NFC. I want them to open it up a bit. Okay. So right now I'm writing an app for a travel company and it just seems annoying that I can't do tap and board basically. Okay. Like I should be able to do that. It, and on Android, nice. I could totally do that. Yeah. But on iOS, it's like, no, NFC is just for us. So yeah, it turns out after some reading, I didn't even know this, they have Apple Pay loyalty, mm. which is like having your loyalty card in your phone, which is really cool. Yep. I didn't know that existed. Um, the only problem is even that's mega lockdown. So the only people that I can find so far that have it are Walgreens. And it was designed so that when you tap to pay, it also sends your loyalty information. Yeah, so if you're using Apple Pay, uh, you don't have to like yeah. also fish out your loyalty card. It just go, all goes through in one So it turns process. out, yeah, that's, so that's what I thought at first. I was like, ah, oh, so this still isn't any good for me. But it turns out you don't actually have to implement it like that. You can do it as a two-step process. Huh. So Walgreens do tap for loyalty, yeah, which because they can apply discounts and they want to show the discount before you then pay. Right. So you tap for loyalty, yes. it like maybe applies your discounts and then you go, oh, great, I got $10 off and then you tap to pay. Right. Pretty cool. That is cool. I want that to be more open. I want it to expand way past that. Yeah, well, and it, it kind of needs to. It's like CarPlay. Like, I, I mean, I understand there, there, are, there are issues with CarPlay. It's like there are problems there with like just opening up to any old person. Yeah. Because uh, when you're in a car, you have to be, you know, there's, there's certain laws that you've got to follow. And so there's, you know, that kind of, the reason they've got that lockdown is kind of, obvious if you think about it for more than two seconds with the loyalty stuff and the nfc stuff eh, not so much yeah like i feel like it could be right there a little bit better so close yeah just needs that one extra step i feel like though they might do it they're never going to open it up fully because then they're going to end up with what's happened on android where all the banks are like no we're not doing apple pay because we can just make our own app so all the banks have right. ComBank Pay, which is Australian Bank, or whatever pay on Android, right? Where you can yep. tap your card, just like a PayWave thing. Yep. And they couldn't do it on iOS because NFC is so locked down. And so they're like, oh, well, one bank is now going, oh, I guess we just have to use Apple Pay. Yep. So I feel like because of that reason, it will never be fully opened up. But maybe they can add something that through wallet. So if I have a pass in my wallet, I can transmit an NFC ID as if you'd scan the barcode. 
Yeah, I feel like that's probably how it'll. End it up sounds working. likely, right? That it sounds, sounds like the way that they would implement it. Reasonable. It's not like I, I very de- much doubt that we'll get like an actual API that you can implement. Yeah, but same. It wouldn't surprise me if there was a way, like if they implemented it as part of Wallet, so that maybe you don't even need to necessarily like uh, actually implement the thing. You just totally. basically set a flag like transmit through NFC. Yeah. You know, yes. I think that will, I think that makes sense. Yeah. So I'm going to ask for that if they don't do it. <laughs> I can I can see that. I can see that being a thing. Okay. Yeah. 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 I like Thanks. it. Thanks. It's actually Jake's idea. He came up with it first. He's uh he's full of bright ideas that one. Yeah. Hi Jake. What else is on your list? Well, I can go with the one that's the same as yours or I can go with another one. So let's go one. with the one that's the same as mine. I think I think we all want this. I think everybody wants this. This is yeah. something that's been a thing for a while and recently I saw an article it's like publicly you can see like two paragraphs of it mm. so i will post it but don't expect too much out of it but the the suggestion was that there is something happening with siri this year and that they'll be opening up siri i think they have to they have to at this point i think everyone is forcing their hand even if they weren't planning to roll it out this year i think they would have brought it forward brought it forward yeah at least announce it because you've got obviously the echo mm-hmm. alexa i don't even know what it's called yep um, the, the Amazon the one stick thing that you yep. put in your that has a speaker, um, and uh, you know the, part of the success of that has obviously been the fact that people can create backends to that, and so you mm-hmm. can get Alexa to do all these crazy things. Uh, and then obviously at I/O a couple of weeks back, mm-hmm. Google announced their version, which is Google Home. Yep, powered by Google Assistant. Yes, and so you can ask it things like how many planets are in the solar system mm-hmm. and it'll probably give you the answer which is eight not nine <laughs> i'm guessing and <laughs> at uh, least today <laughs> at least today <laughs> and we're seeing a lot more in this kind of in this kind of area because i think even chatbots are kind of similar to this as well yeah like they're they're a kind of a different take on the same concept of like i need to be able to ask for something and then have like you know this thing do all these kind of magical API bits to, you know, to complete the task. Yeah. And they've also had the semi-embarrassment of the creators of Siri quitting Apple because they couldn't do what they wanted and they're now announcing their own Siri 2, basically. What do they call it? Viv or something? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So that kind of been good. I I feel like they've really kind of dropped the ball on Siri. And uh, it's not just Siri, it's other stuff as well, but Siri's a really public one. Like, mm. um, it, it it does definitely feel like one of those things where uh, they create a thing and then they just kind of, it just kind of lapses. Yeah. Uh, and sure, they've done like, they've done kind of these incremental updates to Siri over the years. But they've all been so small and like irrelevant. Like, oh, I can ask Siri for the baseball scores. Yeah. That's great outside of America. Yeah. And like, you know, even things like they've added, like you can look up, you can ask for like movie times and stuff like that, but. It's not available everywhere. Again, because doesn't really work outside America. Because nobody can, can provide that mm. data except for the people that Apple kind of goes, yeah, you, you know, provide this data for us. That's why Google have such an advantage. Like, they've kind of indexed that stuff, so they've just got it all waiting for them. Yeah. So it would be nice to see an API for Siri. How that is implemented, the idea that I've kind of uh, had in my mind for this for a while is um, so last year we saw the uh, introduction of the search API, the spotlight mm-hmm. APIs, uh, which basically involves you create two extensions. One is an indexing ex- extension, and the other I feel it's like a content something or other. Yeah, like something to present 
Yeah. When, and I feel like that's probably the way that, it, that this will end up going. So you'll have an indexing kind of extension that pro- basically provi- like provides the endpoints that so you can you know say okay use this endpoint and this endpoint and this endpoint and here are the phrases that I'm you know that you people need to say in order to be able to activate them i feel like that would be kind of the ha- half of the solution and then obviously the the other half is to be able to present something when that is asked for so mm. rather than like then Siri going well i'm going to open this app for you now it would uh, in similar way to like it shows a timer or it shows like the results from yeah. from alpha, it would do the same thing. So you could present a view, like essentially a, a, a remote view controller to be able to like show your results. And so uh, if you've got an app that counts steps that you can also pay for, uh, you might say, how many steps have I done today, Siri? And Siri would pop up a view to say, you have done 30 steps. Your goal is 500 would you like to buy more? <laughs> <laughs> I hope you're buying more than 500 as well. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it just, Siri just needs to be more like the virtual assistant everyone else is doing. Yeah. Like the, the example everyone seems to use these days is the ordering of pizza. Like, hey, Siri, order me a pizza. Yeah. I, and I could totally see like a bunch of apps getting involved in, in using Siri. I, I feel like, you know, uh, Apple, Apple's, if Apple does actually implement this and they do it properly, I feel like they could that they would have a leg up on other on some of these other kind of home flat platforms. Yeah. Um, because the combination of like asking for something and having an app um provides you with a few more opportunities than just a plain old chatbot or a yeah. plain old like you know, voice command service. Because you can ask for something and then kind of do the finishing off touches without having to like speak out loud. Mm. Um, one of the things that has like that has always stuck with me, especially like well, while we're talking about you know voice recognition and all that sort of stuff, in an episode of Star Trek Voyager. Okay. Yep, I'm going there. Yep. Uh, there's an episode of Star Trek Voyager where one of the characters uh, is like he get he can't sleep, and uh, so he gets out of bed and he goes over to the computer, which is in this, I, I, it's in the same room as the bed, and you know his his partner is sleeping in the bed, and he's he's sitting there at the computer going, "Look up this for me." Yeah. I want to look at that result. Order me a pizza. Please do it. <laughs> yes, thank you. Uh, no, I, I want the next result. You know, so, so true. He's, like, so he's like he's whispering, and there's so many situations where that would be the case. Mm. And, uh, you know, so it becomes a problem of not only, like, I need to be able to hear, like, I need to be able to understand uh, what you're saying in a loud room. It also becomes a thing of, well, what if the loud room is actually a thing where you don't want to be vocally uh, active you know, yeah. I don't know, church or something. You know what the solution to this is? Yeah. Brain implants. Maybe not this year. <laughs> Next year. Dub Dub DC 2018 Apple tablet. It's an actual tablet that you take. Oh, it's a tablet. Yeah, that's no, right. Yeah. I went there. Yeah. And right. it like goes into your brain. It's, and then you can think things. It's in the your iPhone head. nano because it's like a nanobot. Brilliant. <laughs> we should be Apple marketing. We totally should be. Yep. Yeah, so I th- I feel like there's probably there's there's a, I mean there's a pretty good chance that we're going to see something in this space this year. I definitely hope so because I can see so many so many ways that this could improve the that ecosystem. And by golly, it needs improving. Mm. All right, so here's my this is the year. Okay, this point. is the year. It's almost completely unrelated to most things, but 
This is the year, Jelly, that they release a Retina Cinema display. <laughs> yeah! So I'm going to be in the crowd like the one guy standing up. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> I will look for you on the feed. So... I mean, there's there not much are to technical say about issues. It. There are technical issues there, I think. Is ob- like, that's the obvious, uh, the answer, I think, that comes to mind. Like? Like, the Thunderbolt connector can only handle so, like, so much throughput. Yeah. Um, so, the ones that are Retina, like, ret- the equivalent of Retina cinema displays these days use two ports. Mm. And not all computers can handle, not all computers can handle that. Because they have to not only be two ports, they have to be on separate buses or something like that. Like, they've got to be actual separate entities. I think modern MacBooks, as in MacBook Pros, and then the new MacBook can all drive 4K displays. Yep. Even that would be an improvement. Yeah. So, we've got a 5K iMac. Maybe I don't need 5Ks. I would like 4Ks, please. Just something. Just an upgrade. Yeah. Like, they haven't released one for, I don't know, I've probably had mine six years or something. Yeah. Mine's been around for ages i don't I mean and i don't even use it anymore to be honest most of the time i don't notice but just yesterday i was typing in pages and just something about that black text on a white background i could see the blur it was just blur everywhere and it was just driving me insane i, I see it i see it at the most inopportune moments so it, i always i always notice when i go and actually look at somebody's like retina or imac or whatever yeah. i'm like oh it's so beautiful I don't necessarily notice it so much on my MacBook. Like, I'm, obviously, my MacBook is a Retina has a Retina display, and I use external monitors, so you would think that I would yeah, see the difference. So do I, but I don't. I don't necessarily see the difference. But then, like, occasions will happen. Like, uh, you know, I look at my I look at my avatar up in the top um, left corner of of Tweetbot, and it's kind of a bit jaggy, yeah, because it's on one of the external displays, and so it's not Retina. But if I put if I drag the window down onto the Retina screen, it's like. Yeah, so, so crisp. Yeah, so, so crisp. It, it would be nice to see that. I, I wonder if it will. Maybe, maybe I mean, they're supposed to be updating the MacBook Pro, Pro. line, right? So there is a possibility that maybe together it might not even be announced. Like it might just happen. Yeah, I would. I totally could see that happening. Like it's not the biggest of deal. And they, they might just touch on it. Oh, we've also updated our display. Yeah, yeah. They don't really, they don't really announce hardware at uh, at DubDub anymore either. No. So it's not likely that we'll see it like immediate, like at DubDub, but it, maybe in the later half of the year when yeah. you know we start to see the things from DubDub roll out to public to the public. Okay, I've got one more. Okay, I mean we've already kind of touched on it already. Yep. But and I don't know what I'm expecting, but I would like to see more steps towards this open Apple we keep talking about. Yeah, and they've really been doing it recently, like. Not only this year did they allow alt comps to stream the keynote without issue, mm-hmm. they actually promoted it. They did. Which was And layers. And layers. And the beard bash and I think there was another one. Yeah, there was another one. I forget what it is. Anyway, that's awesome. To- Daring Fireball? Yes, the talk show. That's the one. So that was like a step, another step again. Mm. Really cool. So I'm just hoping there'll be something else. And I don't even know what it would be except the ones we've already touched on like better radar i guess maybe more open sourcing it'd be nice like the swift team because they've been allowed to work in the open now it's just been so good like you see they reply to tweets like actively yeah you can file bugs in the open you can see what they're working on so it's not like they hide the future and allow people to bug fix the now yeah they actively work in, in the github in the open. Yeah. repo and even 
discussions around new features rather than just saying this is what we're doing. I mean, they still accept the features. It's community driven, but they they throw up proposals and yeah. see like, oh, okay, maybe this one was no good. I definitely, I definitely see the the strides that we've taken so far, and they've been predominantly good. I mean, especially where they've actually made like they've made changes and those changes have been good. I don't think they've made any changes so far that have been kind of negative in that regards, yeah. which is a good thing. Um, but at the same time, I feel like there's a long, there's a long way that they could go. And part of that is simply being a bit more open. Uh, like, I mean, just having like basic errors, like be a bit more kind of ex- like explanatory as to what's going on when you're dealing with iTunes Connect. I- I'd like to see there be a bit more interaction with the developer relations Yeah, I was people. just going to say that. So they should massively staff up on, I guess, evangelists, for lack of a better word. Yeah. So, you know, when Google make a new API, the team that made it pretty much actively go out and promote it to try and get people to use it. Whereas at Apple, they have the evangelist in charge of the whole group who can kind of promote new things, but they're so overworked that they don't really. So they need to, like, yeah. I'd say even more than triple their current developer relations stuff like yep. really stock up on that would be the and people that would that be the great know thing. their know their stuff as well that would be really nice mm. to see in in having conversations with people post uh like post google io one of the things that kind of comes out of that is this idea that well i mean it's really great at google io because you can kind of basically walk up to the people who built this particular api that you're working on, like that you're working on and like converse with them about it. Yeah. And this isn't like labs, which there is actually, you know, these labs things that you can go to to get actual code help. But you to be able to essentially walk up to and just kind of shoot the breeze about a particular yeah. API with somebody is is helpful for I think it's helpful for everybody. Not like, only that, but a lot of the time they'll be like, Here, here's my card. You got any questions, send me an email. Like it's not like you have to get them at the three days that IO runs. Yeah. Like they kind of make themselves available. More than that. And it's not just for people who can get to I.O. and get the business card or whatever. Like their their details are actively like on the website. So if you, like I've interacted with the nearby team before for Google. Yep. They're so easy to find. Like if you Google Google nearby API, you'll probably find like the heads of the three guys and they're like, contact us, ask us questions. We would love to hear from you. What are you doing with it? Yeah, it'd be nice to see that sort of stuff with Apple. Mm. And it's kind of like you start, we're starting to see like the tiniest glimpse of it because like you're seeing a lot more uh, in the last couple of years, we're seeing a lot more of the like of just individual people just in these random teams being on like Twitter or something yeah. like that. And not necessarily like, you know, openly sharing the work that they do, but yeah, you know, the, the, you know if if you share, if you have a like have a radar, you know, you can sub to, you know su- subtly kind of nudge them towards that. You yeah. Know, or uh, you know, but it's still a thing where you kind of have to know you have to know who to go to, and that's not really a yeah thing that's shared at this point. And I'd like to see more of that. Like, and it's not even just I, I don't even feel like it's for me. You know, personally, even I I feel like that's the sort of thing that really would help. Um, you know, people who are just starting out, which is something that we're seeing a lot. Like, I think that's part of the reason why they're going this direction is because they've got such a focus on like education, you know, that they, yeah. with the, especially with the stuff that they introduced last year uh, and having an open place for people to be able to 
go to people to you know ha- you know to express their problems and uh, and get assistance and you know maybe get pointed in the right direction is is very helpful. And I mean, one could argue that the forums kind of work in that way, but they really don't. And yeah, I, I, I don't know what the answer is there, but I feel like it could be improved. Yeah, yeah, totally. So that's pretty much it. One thing as well that I will say, it's not really a hope. I'm very curious to see if something different happens with the keynote to explain the change of venue or if it's just to try and better handle the line because the line yeah. has kind of gotten out of control in recent years. It is it is pretty bad. Um, so I'm I'm just interested to see what happens around the keynote I and how it's handled. I'll see how that, how that works because... Yeah, the the venue is larger, like by a couple of thousand people, I think. Yeah. So maybe it's just that they realized a lot of people are buying tickets just for the keynote and they're not attending anything else, which was a total waste. So maybe they're just like, if we provide a bigger keynote venue, we can handle more people during the week even. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. One of the things that I'd like to see is be able to, like, is to have not daily tickets necessarily, I mean, one thing that, like, I've had this experience with, like, um, comic conventions and stuff like that, like, as an example, yeah, you know, yeah, San Diego Comic, mean. Comic Con, where the event runs for four days and you can buy, like, a four-day pass, uh, but you can also buy a pass for individual days. Yeah. Um, I've been saying that for years. And just offer a ticket for the keynote, so get yeah, a bigger just, venue. Or just for the stuff on the first day, like the keynote yeah. and the State of the Union. Like, oh, yeah. I'd happily go, it. I'd happily, like, you know, throw away a few hundred bucks to go to that and uh it would be you know it would if i can't get a ticket for the rest of the week then that kind of yeah so you know that that covers a lot of ground i think you'd make it so all the the current ticket would still exist yeah and that ticket still got you into the keynote and everything yeah but you just also sell just keynote state of the union tickets yep and then provide a bigger venue which they've now done and then all of a sudden you've got more Tickets of you'll end up with more tickets available for the developers mm-hmm. uh, to go to the rest of the week, you know, and less for just the people who you know they wanted to go and you know, I don't know, lollygag at the uh, at the keynote or get whatever. a chance to bump into Tim Cook or yeah. something. Yeah, and like then, you see a lot of business people there, you know. Yeah, like there's always a few business people around, businessing it up, <laughs> <laughs> and you're like. You're not a developer. <laughs> <laughs> Why have you used up a ticket? <laughs> yeah, and it's just it it does like it. It's sad because you know I I feel like there's so there's so much that could be done for developers in the Apple community, and a lot of that is uh, you know if people are taking up tickets for you know the just to be able to you know be in the room for the keynote or something mm. like that, like. It's such a waste. It's such a waste of you know of a an opportunity, and um, we've definitely seen strides in that space over the last few years. Like they've they've been kind of promoting the fact that they you know let more like let new people in every like this you know seventy five percent of our attendees are new people who have never been to Dub Dub before. That's like, good. That's that's awesome to hear. Like I I mean it's sad because it's harder for you know people that have already been to get a ticket, but you know that's okay. New people need to go as well. So it it's you know, you, you take the good and the bad. You do. You do. All right. Well, lots of hopes and dreams. Many hopes and dreams. Um, there's not a lot to link to, but we'll, we'll, you know, if there are show notes, they'll be on our website. Um, and you can get in touch with us. Maybe share what you're hoping to get out of, yeah. out of WW this year. It'd be uh, a great, if, you, if you're going to be at 
in, in San Francisco for the conference um, or if you're attending one of the alternate conferences like AltConf or Layers, uh, which we will link to in the show notes, send us an email. Let us know you're going to be there. We'd love to, you know, we'd love to accidentally run into you uh, yeah. at some point. That'd be great. Especially if you see Jelly. Please walk up and say, hey, you're from Mobile Couch. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. But yeah. You, but you always yeah, get that. I, know. I, ne- <laughs> I didn't want I to say that. that. I never get that. <laughs> We've had long conversations where it pretty much always happens to me. Yeah. And I, has it anytime, ever happened to you? Anytime yet? that Ben goes away, it's you go away. It's always like it's you always come back with this story of like oh, I I met this guy and he's like you were you're on mobile couch, and I like I'll go somewhere and then I'll just come back. I'll be like yeah that was that was fun. So yeah, if you see Jelly. <laughs> Please do walk up and say hello. It would make his day. Yep. And mine. But make it, it makes our day to hear, yeah. hear from you guys. It's always all fun. The time. It's cool knowing people actually do listen and enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. So send us an email. Uh, uh, that All that stuff is on our website, mobilecouch.co, or you can contact us individually on Twitter. Um, ben is Ben Trangrove, B-E-N-T-R-E-N-G-R-O-V-E, and I am Jelly Bean Soup. Or you can... Uh, hit up the the show itself, which is underscore mobile couch. Thank you to our patrons who are amazing and support the show, help the show keep continue to go. Uh, if you'd like to help support the show, you can support us on Patreon as well. That's uh, the information for that is also on our website. That's it. Thank you for listening. Uh, we look forward to talking to you again on the Monday. Because there'll be an episode on the Monday of uh, of the the, uh, the conference, uh, but we'll also be at the conference. We'll, it'll be like being in two places at the same time. It's going to be crazy. Until then, goodbye. Bye. <laughs>